full body spandex suit with condoms all over it. Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery. With your hosts, Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Cold Crit, and Ross of RNC Working Woodworking and Designs. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 35, Falling Down. In this week's episode, we're joined by David Petridis of Gearheart Industry. He does a deep dive on tips for small business profit growth, work-life balance, and American manufacturing from the ground up. Jess takes us on a magical Christmas trivia journey, and Colton breaks down the whiskey of the week. Be sure to stick around for a discount code for a Gearhart Industry branding iron. All of that and more is coming right up on this episode of the Beat Around the Bench podcast. For today's guest, we're joined by David Petridis of Gearhart Industries, a man who can rope, throw, and brand him with the best of them on either side of the Rio Grande. Dave, Woo! welcome to the Quite show. An intro. Yeah, David, let's see if we can live up to that one. I'm so stoked to have you on, man. Um, what was it with Gearheart? I, I had y'all saved in like saved in a cart to buy. I, I really what was like two years ago. At this oh, okay, point. yeah. And uh, so I, I do have a laser, right? And I've been meaning, like, I don't know. I think there's something just so cool about the way a burnt brand goes. Like they're all like a, it's like a thumbprint, like fingerprint, right? Like they're all. Kind of, there's not two that are alike exactly, and I, I don't know. I still, yeah. still haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm excited. Okay, cool. Because we've been trying to figure out what's going on with the abandoned carts, and uh, I'll just go ahead and like <laughs> mark yours off the list. <laughs> so, to, fair enough. So, to give a little bit of background information, Dave is joining us because I actually started some conversations with uh, Christy, your wife, who is your director of marketing and. And she's doing a lot of uh, reach out to a lot of different makers. And she and I started talking and we thought it would be a great opportunity to share the story that you guys have. Now, I've had a, a branding iron from you guys for about three, almost four years at this point. And I was under the assumption that you guys were a 50 to 100 person shop with the speed and efficiency that everything was coming out. But through some of the discussions I've had with both you and with Christy, it led me to believe that is not the case. So no. Yeah. We run a real lean operation, dude. Like, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's my background. Uh, well, uh, we, you know, we'll like do it the roundabout way. The, the, the reason why we're so efficient is because my background is in like, um, engineer, like process engineering and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then I became a machinist and, uh, and so I just worked out automated stuff. I mean, when you're and like, you, you guys get this, when you don't have help, you do learn how to do things quickly by yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of like, you know, people are like, how did you learn how to fix, you know, a refrigerator? And I'm like, well, my refrigerator broke and I didn't have anybody to fix it. So I figured it out. And it's sort of the same thing we didn't have a hundred people. And so, you know, it's like, how do you do like, how do you make things like, how do you get a massive volume of work done without having to have just a ton of people? And I like, I like giving people jobs, but I, you know, it's like, if you can do the job with, you know, if you can do the job with a small crew, then that's a lot easier to manage, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, the hard way is how you learned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like most stuff, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's, I'm about ready to be, I was like, go ahead, well, that's the woodworker's motto. Like, 
covering yeah. up your mistakes and learning to do it wrong the first time. At least that's mine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. If I were perfect the first time, I'd be like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I I'm like, everything. I don't know. Would I've, be I've screwed up everything. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've royally screwed up almost everything I've done. Like this company is probably, I don't know, like the sixth company I've had. So I started, I started like making companies and then running them into the ground when I was like 20 years old, and uh, have like just utterly. I mean, I. I bankrupted myself with cabinet shops numerous times. Like, I, and finally, I figured it out. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just for you. for those who who are unaware of who you are or who Gearheart Industry is, can you give a little elevator pitch just to get everybody up to speed? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's we uh, where we are now. We're we're branding our company. We make precision precision crafted uh, wood marking equipment for uh, that's useful for wood and food and leather and plastics. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, we have the, um, the shortest lead time in the business and we, you know, make stuff that's, you know, incredibly high quality. Uh, So that's, that's, that's where we are now. Uh, And we're family, family owned business. And uh, um, we, we pride ourselves in, uh, uh, in like facilitating the work of the American craftsmen. All right. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. So hell yeah. Part of the reason that we wanted to have you on here, not only because I liked hanging out with you on zooms before I wanted to do it again, but, uh, overall you guys have a pretty fantastic story. As you said, you've started multiple companies beforehand and you kind of got this one up and running and then things change and now you're back at the helm. What, what was the whole process? What, what happened there? Well, uh, so I kind of give you the brief thing. I mean, basically it's like I started, um, had a cabinet shop, wanted a branding iron, couldn't afford one. And they also took forever, like months to get. And so, uh, um, it, when I closed that shop, when the economy crashed, this was like Oh seven, Oh eight, I guess yeah. like the housing market yep. crash. Uh, uh, I went to, um, my, uh, uh, my mother-in-law at the time, um, backed into my car and with the insurance money, I went to trade school and I got a machining diploma and I started doing machining cause you know, there's no work to do. So, uh, and then I figured out, I was like, I could make a branding iron, I bet. And so I made my first one. I started selling them on Etsy and it just exploded. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't too long before I was like, all right, this will be my full-time job. And then I, you know, it's like, I ran the, you know, built and ran the company for, you know, for, I guess like, uh, you know, seven or eight years. And then I got burned out, you know? Uh, and, yep. uh, like probably about two years ago, uh, two years ago, I was like, dude, I, I hate this. Frankly, it's like, I was no longer excited. It's like, I was super stressed out. I was working, you know, minimum 70 hours a week and frequently a hundred, which is wow. insane. Like I set up a bed at my shop, uh, at the old shop, I set up a bed because mm-hmm. I would just, I was like, Hey dude, if I work a 20 hour day, I'm going to sleep and then I'm going to get up and go right back at it, you know? And, uh, there's uh, and so, I mean, you can't do that for very long. Dude. No. You break it. Like it, like it, I'm like standing at a machine working on stuff, literally crying. Cause I'm like so depressed and tired, oh, but I'm like, I have to keep going. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was like, man, I, I got to get out of here. And, uh, 
And so I, uh, I, I, um, I, I brought on a minority partner um, who bought into the company and he was supposed to run it. And it just, it just wasn't a good fit for him. And, uh, and I got some, some distance and perspective on the company and realized that, you know, it's like, I could, I could, I could do it without being a burnout. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and I just, you know, it's like, I, I just needed to bring in the right help. And I also realized that it's like, without me, things kind of, and this isn't, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant without me, things kind of fell apart because like, I, um, I realized that I was bringing a lot more, I, what I was bringing to the table was this kind of, uh, fanatic dad energy that like, frankly, the people that work for me really sort of needed. I mean, yeah. the, the other, the other manager was just very, a very kind of corporate guy. And, uh, um, man, that's not who we are, you know, and that's not who mm -hmm. our, that's not who a lot of our, of our customers are. And it's just without that authenticity, we, you know, we, it, things were, things had kind of degraded. Like we weren't, we weren't in touch with the people like who were using our products who weren't as active on social media. And so, you know, we, me and, uh, me and Christy like step back in and we're like, all right, like, let's, let's do this. Let's start doing this the right way again. You know? Yeah. I feel like it's extremely important, especially when you're selling to a lot of makers too. And I feel like there's a very strong maker community out there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like we're product of that and yeah, absolutely. And actually on, yeah, and so on that part, I had a question. You will, you said earlier that you kind of started this in 07, 08 or 08, 09 by the time you got things up and running and you put stuff on Etsy and then it exploded. I'm having to imagine that, the downturn in the economy led to people building more stuff at home and trying more DIY stuff, similar to the way that you were like, well, there's no other jobs. I'm going to go to trade school. Did you see a similar pattern between the economic downturn in 08, 09 to then the COVID time? Cause there's a lot of people that we've talked to here that say, Oh, I really kind of just got into this during COVID and it's just taken off. Did you see a massive uptick in customers in those kind of, I guess, slower times economically? Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, it's like I, uh, the, what I noticed, and this was, you know, it's like I was in trade school at the time, but one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things I noticed in that during the housing crash was, you know, you had a, a ton of tradesmen who were working on stuff and then all of a sudden they're jobless. Right. And, um, a lot of those guys immediately were like, Hey, I've got tools. I'm going to start my own little company. And, um, particularly leading up to leading up to the crash, like pre crash, um, there were, uh, there were large corporations kind of or large, like woodworking operations and cabinet operations that kind of saw the writing on the wall. They started laying people off or guys were like, Hey, I could start my own little company. And the problem was that you had, uh, uh, you had those guys go out on their own. And then I say, this was, I was in the cabinet business. You had those guys go out on their own, but they were pricing suicidally low. Like, so as a cabinet maker, suddenly I had to compete with dudes who were pricing stuff. Like they were, like unsurvivable. They were going to go out of business at those price points um, within, within a couple of years, but you still got to compete with them. Cause guess what? I can't float at reasonable market prices while, you know, while I'm getting killed. So I was like, this is not going to work. So, so there was like, 
by the time I really got back into branding arts things, or by the time I started the branding art company, things had stabilized from that. But so what we're seeing now, like COVID, we actually had a really, uh, we had a, we had a fantastic sales year during 2020 because people were at home and they were doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, um, the, one of the things that has probably, so we did pretty well. Um, an interesting thing that I think is, is probably a factor now, and you guys may see this is, uh, is that, you know, 10 years ago, um, or I guess, gosh, like the housing crash, was like 15 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> I guess so. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're all getting a little gray here. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it's, uh, the, uh, like Amazon wasn't around then and imported products did had a foothold because like, say all the tools at home Depot were already made in China or a lot of them were, but like now, um, now particularly in the maker community, there's, you know, people got into things, but a lot of the tools and machinery that they use is like sourced from Amazon is imported, you know, imported stuff. And so I think domestic, domestic manufacturers, um, have, are having a bit more, they're not seeing, they're not like, there is just a, there's a bit more, there's, there's a bit more competition with foreign markets right now. Um, particularly, uh, uh particularly in the tool maker kind of market. And, while that sort of stuff does like, you know, it's like I can afford a Chinese laser cutter and that's cool. Like I can't afford, you know, it's like I couldn't afford like a, you know, an, an American one. Um, so I'm able to do stuff that I couldn't do. But there's, you know, at the same time, it's like if you guys are making stuff, like if you make, it's now possible to import finished goods like furniture and all that sort of stuff at a not just at a large scale, but at a smaller scale. Um, so, you know, people who used to do kind of bespoke stuff are now competing more with uh, manufacturers in China. We see and that I, constantly. The amount of people, and all of us can vouch for it, the amount of people who come up and they're like, oh my God, I saw this thing on Wayfair or, you know, Timu or whatever it was. And they're like, yep. I, I saw this thing and it's only like $150. Can you make me one local so I don't have to pay for shipping? And it's like, no. my material cost is three times that. No. Right. Yeah. And, and, and like Etsy, you know, it's funny because we don't sell on Etsy anymore. Well, and Etsy had, and I can't remember when it was, I guess it was probably like, you know, seven years ago or so. Like Etsy had this, uh, this board like takeover essentially. And the guys who started it, um, got kicked off the board because they were really set on things being genuinely handmade. And the uh, new policy was uh, that if something was something could be kind of handmade. And as a result, the in, that entire market got glutted by stuff that was made with, I mean, to be frank, was made with slave labor. And uh, um, in, in a lot of cases and like cheap, uh, like, badly sourced imports and stuff like that, but it was small scale. Like before furniture makers had to, you know, it's like if you were, you had to compete with like budget operations that were huge scale, like Ikea or whatever, yeah. you know, somebody wasn't importing like what looked like handmade tables, you know, like, uh, you guys remember pier one, yeah. like yeah. the store pier one. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
So, so they used to have like, you know, it's like they had these like kind of like they had these like, you know, kind of handcrafted sort of things. Right. But they, they had to import those with big kind of buying power. Right. And so now those things can be sold direct to consumer. Um, and they really, it's, it, it is, it's really polluted the, uh, the, the handmade market and it's cheapened it a good bit. And, you know, I mean, all, all forms of market pressure, like result in innovation. So part of me wants to cry about it. The other part of me is like, well, what are you going to do? You know, but it is like, I see that, you know, I see that not only from my perspective, but also from our customer's perspective. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it sucks. So I actually have two questions off of what you just said. Number one, um, you're very obviously proud of being American made and American manufacturing. And the majority of our listeners are U.S. based. We do have some international, but the majority are U.S. based. And my question would be, what would you give as far as advice to a lot of the small businesses and makers that are out there that are one up to 10 person shops that they're American made? But how do we stand out versus or what would your advice be to stand out versus the imported competition? I think there's two there's two main things there. Number one would be um, custom products are you know it's like yeah. custom or semi customizable stuff can be done um, can be done here a, a lot a lot better. Um, so so there's that, especially if you're able to, especially if you've designed you know if you've if you've designed your processes so that you can have relatively quick turnaround on customizable stuff which is one of the things that Gearheart kind of prides itself on. And right now our lead times are pretty short, but I'm thinking we're going to put the squeeze on our competition and we'll drop down to, you know, there's no reason why we could not ship next day on almost all of our products. Wow. So next why, day on, on a machined, like a metal machined like piece. Yeah, buddy. Unless the power goes out, you know, <laughs> like, like uh, I love that. Is that running a 24 hour shift? I mean, that's um, insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it'd have to be it'd have to be pretty quick. Like there's I don't want to stress my people, but like we could there's there's no real reason like there's it's not impossible. You know? Yeah. And 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 so, you know, and the fact is people have come to expect the impossible instead of so instead of saying, Well, it's impossible to make, you know, this product and ship it out that fast, you say, Well, how do I make that work? Cause it is possible. And if you don't figure it out, someone else will. And then they like, you know, you know, that's yeah. Like, SOL. That's on you. Yeah. Like, so, so the, the customizable thing, particularly if you can have fast lead times, because, uh, so I guess there's three things uh, I'll keep adding to this list. So customizable, make sure that your make sure that your lead times are good. Um, because that's another thing. Importing can be a problem. And then the uh, the third thing would be customer service and authentic story. Like oh. those those go hand in hand, bro. If you're like, if you're like one of the issues that I had with the way the direction my company was going over the past two years is like our story wasn't there. Like the there was no human beings on our website. It's just like pictures of some branding arts. It's like well, like anybody could people would have yeah. Right, the, like the it, new it, generations really like that. They're doing our website right now, and the guy's like, "No, no, you don't understand. You're gonna have pictures of you and your dog on there, and the whole story exactly verbatim because people love that, and especially with yeah. custom stuff. So absolutely, yeah, 
Right. Like, I mean, you know, it's like I've, we could buy all this baby stuff, right? And it's like you can pay a premium for that and you'll like turn this this package of whatever over and it'll be like – our family started this and then one day we all had chronic diarrhea and I said, this is, you know, la la la. It's like, just like, like, it, it, like, okay, cool. And then it's like somebody's signature and a picture of them with their golden retrievers and like, you know, their, their kid, you know, like, and it's, uh, I mean, it, the like being authentic and here's another, like, see, as far as like the customer service thing goes, Dude, there's a lot of people that make – there's a number of companies that make branding irons. I've bought all our competitors' products. Some of them are pretty good, you know? I don't think they're yeah. – they surpass our quality. But, I mean, the uh, – um, so why would I like – like, so what do we what do we really sell? And the fact is that like – and this is, this is especially true with a lot of tradesmen. It's something I suffer from because I hate people. But like <laughs> it's like if you – don't pick up the phone or answer emails, then, okay, cool. You're screwed. Like have fun. Cause someone else is going to do that. The guy whose work sucks. If he answers the phone and, 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 yes. and, and responds to emails, yes. he will win. Yes. Yep. 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 That's a hundred percent it. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I, dude, you, Ross, you know this cause you've been talking pretty much exclusively to my wife the entire time yeah. and not to me. Why? Because I hate answering emails i don't i don't i don't read my regular mail That's i don't funny. open yeah. I, I wait until bills have red ink on the envelope yeah. before i open them i'm like oh i guess i wish i didn't know, know what you're talking about but i do yeah yeah I, I don't know what that is like jocko willink would be really like just disappointed in the man that i am but mm. like i'm like yeah no i it's something about i hate i hate answering emails and stuff. My so, wife does all that too for, for our company and I don't because I, I can't stand it. Like I just want to work. I just want to make my stuff. I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to make – I don't want to schedule stuff, nothing. I just want to do the work and she takes care yeah, of all of it. So. Mine used to, but yeah. <laughs> I don't have that option. It's just me. I got I to gotta do it. It's just you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're a gregarious guy, man. Like the – so I don't know if you guys saw it, but he did this like – promo kind of video on, oh, on it's Instagram. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, really I, I, I can't you be that enthusiastic yeah. about anything. It's the stuff that I like, right. you know? Uh, so it's, uh, so like, silk. you know, so the customer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is a have you the, yeah, gear hard. Yeah, well, I, I, I call Ross's voice, the, uh, the chocolate milk voice. Yes, no, it's, it's cream, creamy and smooth. Apparently, oh, I, will say, video, I will say, Dave, you've got kind of radio voice too, a little I, bit. Yeah, I, I've done well, and it's you know it's better with it. You know, if I have my like mic set up and everything, but I can radio voice. I don't know. Well, the echo Welcome of your garage right now is oh, kind of perfect, man. We've got yeah. Well, it's <laughs> I did I I did like uh, I was on. You know what? I'm not going to give details on this, but I was on. Deets, a, no, wait, our, our listeners on deserve a, details, Dave. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. No one, even including my wife, <laughs> All three of them, is, 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 knows this. I, I was on a, a TV show, like a reality show, for a, a period of time under no. a, under a different name, and like, yeah, I did the I did voiceovers for a fair amount of it because the the production assistants were like, "Wow, you do great promos," and I was like, "Awesome." But like, yeah, no, it's on YouTube and no one will ever, ever, ever see it. 
That's <laughs> that's oh, where man. you're wrong. Somebody's gonna see it. They're just oh, not yeah. gonna know it's yeah, you. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, there's I, there's we an AI the, nowadays. The, we can find it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure that at some point somebody's gonna find me in uh, in at least at one point in a. Uh, uh, a full body spandex suit with condoms all over it. Um, now my interest wait, wait, is wait, really that actually happened or yeah, dead, dead I, think, I think you just found our opener. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Sure did. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the lead. That's the stinger oh. for this. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, well, I do, I guess yeah, I don't, I'm hoping that, hang on one second. I have a question. I, I'm not, uh, I don't know if I missed this or not. So why is it called Gearheart Industries? Uh, okay. Well, I wish, yeah, there, cause like, like gearhead, you know, okay. like, yeah. you know somebody's, yeah. somebody, somebody's uh, a gearhead. Like it is just uh, yeah, sort yeah. of like a, uh, it, it was, um, it was one of those things that kind of ended up working. And it's the reason why it's called industry is because my Etsy store was called Heavy Industry. And then I realized, you know, I was like, well, this isn't going to work because if you Google Heavy Industry, it's on, you right. cannot find it at all. Yeah. Right, and right. so, so I went with Singular Industry. And that's one of those things that I like, if I had to go back and do it again, I probably would go plural because everybody says Gearheart Industries. And I own GearheartIndustries.com for that reason. It just redirects to the website. Hmm. But like, it's, uh, you know, um, it's uh, okay. I yeah. thought it was somebody's last name. I knew somebody named Gearhart growing up. That's why I wondered. Well, some, really? yeah. yeah, Frank. Well, oh, Frank Gearhart. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good old company. Frank. One of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, so Frank. Somebody. <laughs> thinks, I, I don't know where this. I don't know where this. Uh, this came from, but somewhere, someone has. Someone thinks that there is a man named Jerry Gearhart that owns the company. And so uh, I, I have a catch-all email address and people are people write Jerry Gearhart for like, hey, I was like, you know, corporate acquisitions people. You and respond? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, normally, normally I'm pretty hostile about Those it. Those emails you respond to, okay. I think you need uh, to take a different spin on this. If you look yes. at like the general from General Insurance, just like that little animation right. guy, you need yeah. to make like, that's your mascot is Jerry Gearhart. Oh, make, like make Jerry Smokey the bear. He's, yeah. he's your new, yeah. He's your new mascot. I could, you know what? Yeah, I could like just take a random picture of like one of those, like one of those portraits. Of the the old guy that they used to have at the bank on the yeah, wall. You know, course. founder of you yeah. know, or you know, like I, don't know. I, I think you need to give him a mullet. Really, give him a, give him a nice uh, bush of lettuce back there. I think it'd be good. For you. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna put together yeah, an, you know, yeah. AI. I, I'm a little biased, but. Uh, <laughs> So I think what, I bought I bought one of your uh, branding irons probably seven years ago. I think you were on you were on Etsy then, weren't you? Yeah, we had yeah we were still on back then. Yeah, I bought the electric one I think back then. So it's electric. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Or it's the company I used to work for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it because you got like my parents bought. So my parents were old school, right? And so they were in a hotel and they saw a chair that my mom loved. And she goes, Gary, I want this chair as like my anniversary present. I want this chair. So we stole and so the they're chair? like asking him. No. Yeah. So they threw it in the Ultima. No, they, he, <laughs> they flipped it over. Like people thought they were crazy and they flipped it over. And that um, was an upholstered chair, mind you, with like a little ottoman that slid under it. It was kind of cute. Victorian. My mom liked Victorian. And they looked up the name of the company that was on the bottom of it and called the company and bought one. 
And ever since then, I thought, you know, and I don't think Ross's ad could say it any better. Like that is a necessity. Like mm-hmm. it is a necessity. I mean, and anything else is going to wash off or peel off or something. Or you lose so the, the business product, card. The product that you make is, is or like you do an impression of Adam Sandler in. doing an impression of a woman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yeah. also, yeah, like I said earlier, man, I feel like the, the branded, like your logo branded on there, it looks different than a lasered logo, right? Yep. A la- lasered logo looks manufactured. Yes. It, which, I mean, there's I times when you want that, but yeah. like, you can't get a table know, under a laser. Yeah. Not with that well, attitude. So, yeah. Well, you can. Okay, so they, you know, it's like you guys, you guys, <laughs> watch me. Uh, hold, that, hold that thing with a forklift. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we see how that so, turned out. Yeah, we got like so. You like you, you know, they make portable lasers, and and those are gonna get, you know, those are gonna get more and more ubiquitous. But like, here's the thing, dude. It does look mass produced. Like, yeah, it's it's lacking. If if you want everything to look uh if you want everything to look perfect and like it was made it like i don't know there's this kind of bizarre aesthetic goal um that i'll number that i've seen that it seems to be more and more prevalent that like because we no longer have objects of beauty in our daily lives you know we've got you know schools that are designed by the same people that make prisons everything's an ugly beige big box like there's no awe inspiring anything anymore one of the things is that you know it's like uh people still have a creative impulse but the things that they are mimicking are you know or that they aspire to unconsciously are mass produced objects right and there was uh you know there's a there's an like when when Warhol was doing, you know, factory art and all that sort of stuff, you know, uh, back in the day it was it was, uh, you know, there's some of the some of the things I, I don't care for. And aesthetically, a lot of it's uh, crap. But like the uh, um, but it was an interesting statement because it was applying it was applying, say, industrial process or commercial, these cheap commercial processes to art. Right. And we've gotten far enough away from that that now people are trying to make art, but the only thing that they have to emulate is is cheap commercial processes. And so they unwittingly duplicate these things, including stuff like, you know, lasered lasered logos and everything, or lasered, you know, it's like laser marks and all that sort of stuff. Right. And it just doesn't look good. I mean, and I forget who it, well, there used to be uh Gosh, I wish I was more like, you know, historically like cogent, but like the, uh, there was, there's, this is probably taking place in several cultures, but there's, you know, to, there are people who would intentionally, like they would, at the very end of a project of, of a, of a creation, they would damage it intentionally. Religious flaw. Yes. Right. My my mom had needlework that had a religious flaw in it. It was missing the L. It was a religious yeah. thing. Only God could make something perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's and it's worth like, you know, it's like I would have to say that like if we want to turn it into a religious thing, then perf- only the devil can make something that's lame and like mass produced. Right. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And like I'm it's it's just it lacks a it does lack a human touch. And Colton, like you were saying, it's yeah. like it's there is irregularity in the mark, like a fingerprint or anything else. I mean yeah. I've accidentally branded stuff upside down before. And I was like, Ugh. you know, you know what? Cool, dude. Like this signature <laughs> is going on upside down then because it's there now. Yeah. And forever. it's, 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's like that, that's a story. And I can tell the person that, you know, there've been times where I've, I've told the person to have like, Hey, I was doing your project and I branded it upside down. No one else has something like this. And they're excited about it. Right. You know? Well, I mean, handcrafted is handcrafted. It, it is what it is. Right. And when you laser yeah. something or anything else, a brand is as old as time. Right. That people yeah. have been doing on people and everything else. So a brand is, is as handcrafted as it gets. Strangely enough, on that same note of like the customer really enjoys the flaws, a buddy of mine was making a table for a restaurant and it was like an eight person dining table and he was working to flatten the underside of it with a uh, router jig, just a uh, slab flattening jig. And the bit started to slowly go down and he carved in a very phallic symbol into the very bottom (laughs) of the table with the pattern that he was at. He was like, Oh my God. And then now it literally looks like, you know, you're getting pointed at by a member under the table. And the restaurant has the joke that if you sit at the seat where that is, you have to pay. So like customers actually get under the table and look, you know, Oh, see, there you go. So and I mean, crazy. if you're already under the table, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there might be more than one down there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's very possible. Oh, so, man. Dave, I wanted to take the opportunity. Uh, we've been doing some rapid fire trivia and getting oh, people I got to some special ones. Yeah. Getting right, people to right. uh, really kind of share themselves and a little bit of, of uh, their personality with us. And we were hoping to do the same with you. And just so you know, it is a three minute rapid fire and the goal is for you to answer as many questions as you can within the three minutes and there is no wrong answers Um, and they have nothing to do with woodwork or anything else maybe they do maybe they don't you never know it's a competition you got to beat the most anybody's ever answered is 17 in three minutes oh 18 18 18. oh that's right somebody broke it 18 in three minutes what do you think you up for a challenge you up for it (laughs) you up for it Yep. Hell yeah. Okay. Let's go, baby. Right. Woo! Three minutes will start in three, two, one, go. If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? Uh, squash. Brass or aluminum? Brass. What's the worst advice someone has given you? Uh, buy real estate at the height of the market. Boxers, briefs, boxer briefs, thong, or birthday suit? Uh, boxer briefs. If you could live in any sitcom, which one would it be? Uh... Uh, I don't pass uh, uh, home improvement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, good. Yeah, that's good. If you were a ghost, where would you haunt? Ooh, uh, just public spaces like the Las Vegas strip. Okay. Would you yeah. rather have fingers as long as your legs or legs as long as your fingers? Fingers as long as my legs. What's the most interesting thing you can see out of the nearest window? Literally nothing. Okay. If you could <laughs> only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, sweet potatoes. If you were a wrestler, what would your entrance theme song be? Um, John Cage's 433. <laughs> if you were a flavor, what flavor would you be? Brown. If you had a time machine, would you go back in time or visit the future? Oh, back in time, baby. If you were a pizza topping, what would you be? Uh, probably bananas. If you could morph two animals to make one super animal, what two animals would you choose? Ooh, 
uh, a tiger and a crocodile. What would you? Uh, what would be the most useless superpower that you'd still really want? Still really want? Uh, <laughs> That's a hard one. Pass. Yeah, I'll pass on that well, one. Uh, if you could ask your pet three questions, what would they be? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll pass on that one too. That's three. That's three answers. Okay, imagine a sandwich named after you. What ingredients would be in it? Um, bread and water. Okay, what's the most unusual thing you've ever eaten, and would you eat it again? Oh boy, uh, I ate a, a dog once. Uh, and would you eat yeah. it again? Absolutely not. Uh, if you could oh constantly, God. if you could, we'll talk inst- about that. if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Um, uh, languages. Uh, oh. what's your spirit animal and why do you think it represents you? Um, uh, yeah. Just pick like, an animal. Yeah, probably, you know, a goat. Okay. Do you believe in aliens or UFOs? Um, sort of. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite dad joke? Um, what is red and smells like blue paint? What? Red paint. Red paint. <laughs> I ruined it. I ruined it. Four, three, two, oh, one. There we go. Very 20 good. questions. Oh, that was good. Oh, All my right, God. Done. 20. Very good. The winner. You got 20? Yeah. That is good. That's okay, a new so, record, baby. Good. Some, some of those were bad. So uh, two things. <laughs> sweet potatoes. You were smart to pass. Nobody does that. Yeah. yeah. Pass. yeah. Sweet potatoes because if you can only eat one thing, is sweet potatoes are pretty like nutritionally balanced. And then the dog uh, was under extenuating circumstances in the back country in, uh, in uh, Southeast Asia. I did not know the dog or witness the dog uh, uh, it's okay. its demise, but it uh, uh, tastes terrible, and uh, and it's not something. Now that I've said it publicly, it's not something I normally would admit to. Because do you uh, know what I, kind of dog it was? No, nah, dude, I feel bad yeah. about it. I, what part yeah, of the dog? Yeah. Don't know what um, part. And it's like part I, of the haunches, I mean, at least. Or yeah, back, I, backstrap. Do they have a backstrap? I, oh. I, it was probably. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it tastes like really, really gamey deer, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. And so it, it kind yeah. of put yeah it put me off of venison big time, like because I was like, mm, yeah, never again, dude. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, every once in a while, like uh, um, that comes up. But uh, and then you know somebody has to like one up me by being like, oh, I've eaten dogs and cats, and I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> all right. I like the but, accent. Yeah, be like. Be like <laughs> Plural, huh? I know All somebody right. that ate uh, a manatee once. Yeah. What? Okay, yeah, that's worse than a dog. It is. It definitely is. He was a very bad person. Yes. But he <laughs> <ate a manatee. laughs> hey, on the sweet potato, you ever put those in the in the air fryer? That's like our favorite thing to oh, do. Oh, don't get. We're gonna dice, get them, dice them up real small. Put them on the air fryer. <laughs> oh, dude, that is like my my wife's uh, yeah secret thing with the uh, sweet potatoes. It's good. That's that's yeah. It's not a bad idea. Actually, mm-hmm. I had a question. You said your your like pizza topping that you could pick any, and you said banana. Did you mean banana peppers? No, I was yeah. I was, I was envisioning actual bananas. That was that okay. was what I was trying to figure out. Why why bananas on a pizza? <laughs> I'm I'm well. I don't know. I figure you know it's like I I was like running through my normal pizza ingredients, and I was like I don't really identify with these. I like them, but they're not me. Okay, right. and, yeah. uh, but you're a little bananas. So, yeah, 
Oh, Actually, I, I could see the banana, like the the sugar in the banana, like caramelizing a little bit and adding like you a know, sweet aspect they do to carrots. the pizza. They do carrots. Kind of, yeah. Almost like a uh, sun dried tomato. You know, it adds like a sweet aspect uh, to it. I, like a plant. We gotta try it. Deal. Okay. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I think maybe people sleep on that. Like I, you know, it's like you know the whole like you know pineapple debate, which is I guess pretty uh, pretty like pretty, pretty rampant lame now. To even I have talk an opinion about. on that. I've had apple right. pie pizza, so there you go. What? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like pineapple on pizza. Well, there's no tomato yeah. sauce. Oh, It's basically okay. just crust with apple pie okay. on it. Right? Yeah. Okay, so it's a pie. It's a, it's a yeah. dessert well, pizza. It's, like, yeah. it's in you a pizza apple place. pie. Yeah. Well, no, because <laughs> it's, it's a pie. pie. <laughs> it's like it had like this like glaze and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It was flat it, pie. It's, it's in the shape of a pizza. Uh, that's all I can say. So is pie. This is true. This is true. This is true. If it was Chicago, wait, was it Chicago style? No, it was real thin. It was real thin. Okay, because like if you did an apple pie Chicago style with no tomato sauce, it would be remarkably close (laughs) to pie. Well, this is true. Uh, Up there, they they call pizza a pie, right? That's a New York thing, but yeah. Oh, it is a New York thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, but then the uh, oh shoot oh as far as pineapple on pizza, I feel like the internet has told people to hate pineapple on pizza the same way they told the internet to hate Nickelback, you know, and like Nickelback's not a bad band. We all all know their songs. Did you just compare pineapple to Nickelback? (laughs) Yes, or Nickelback to pineapple? I don't. I mean, pineappleback. I don't know what's happening. Either way, man. Like the internet told people to hate pineapple on pizza, and the internet told people to hate Nickelback. This is true. Yeah, and, but it's but they yeah, but like Nickelback is a legitimately famous band, and pineapple is a very popular topping. So it's kind of yes. weird because there's this like fake like fake disdain for it. But like, yes. I mean, it's I mean, I, I don't know pineapple on pizza with ham. Like, it's pretty good. Oh, I like I, I, yeah, I like pepperoni and jalapenos. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a little sweet, a little heat, a little uh, grease from the the uh, pepperonis. Like, I'm all about it, baby. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, all right. <laughs> well, uh, Dave, now we typically get to the education part of the, the podcast where we learn a little yes. bit about the wood of the week. Are you interested yeah. in doing some of that? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Are you going to teach me how to pronounce paddock or paduk? Paduk. There you go. Yeah. I've always, I've I, think always, I think it's paddock. I don't know what you're yeah. about. <laughs> I've always said – I said – I said it really wrong How for a while, and then yeah, and then I said you know, then I started saying Paduke after I apprenticed with this guy who would know, and then I was like, how does how is that Paduke? How is it pronounced, Colonel? There's I no know. R. This is true. Colonel, Colonel, yeah, Colonel. yeah. or salmon, <laughs> salmon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Baloney, cough, all yeah. of them. It's all, okay. all stupid. All right, let's get into the word of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Now we'll get into it. Wow. 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 To honor your presence this week, Dave, we have done wood. We also have some wood trivia coming up and the wood of the week. And it is a Christmas theme for for you. All right. And so what represents Christmas more than a fir tree? Right. And so Mm. this we're going to call it this week's wood of the week. But it's really more like a species. Right. But. But Christmas trees in general, fir, spruce, pine, uh, is the wood of the week. So most common seven trees used for uh, making a Christmas tree. Can you guess two of them, Ross, in this week's wood of the week? 
Uh, I'm going to say Douglas Fir. Yes. And uh, Blue. No. Blue. Yes. 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 Very good. Yes. Nice. The Colorado Blue Spruce. That yeah, is Blue correct. Blue Spruce. That was it. Yeah. So Fraser Fir, Douglas Fir, Balsam Fir, Noble Fir, Scotch Pine, Colorado Blue Spruce, and Norway Spruce. Now, don't forget they have Christmas in other countries too. So really? some of this, some of this <laughs> stuff going on. Actually, as I did this deep dive, we literally could have spent all night just talking about like where Christmas trees came from and like all the different things that they do in Christmas. Um, uh, like traditions in different countries. It's Where pretty are you interesting. Put a tree that big. Bend over. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it's fur. It's a very, very interesting tree. I mean, to me, you hate anything to do with pine, right? Cutting it, anything to do with that. Awesome. And I understand that. Uh, but the world is built out of fir trees and pine yep. trees. It just is. You know, they grow from so boats. Fast. Yes, they grow so fast. Um, as a matter of fact, fir trees can grow. The grand fir reaches up to 300 feet tall. Very, very big tree, which it's that's tree. pretty pretty high. Uh, and then, you know that part about pine that you hate, Ross? The stuff building up on all your, all your tools? Right. Well, well the, uh, yeah. resin, the resin from fir trees is used for all kinds of things, for making medicinal balms, glues, and even flavoring agents in some products. So fur is used now. We always talk about the Janka hardness. It's soft, right? It's mm-hmm. soft. It's like between six and like 800 at best in some of them. There are some Australian furs uh, that are hard, much harder uh, than than some of the hardwoods out there. But as far as the United States is concerned, it's all pretty soft stuff. But <clears throat> the one thing that I don't like about fur is that bugs eat it. They love it because mm-hmm. of all that resin. It smells good and stuff. So you do have to protect it. Uh, but that's pretty much all I've got on fur. Now I told and or conifers, the most prevalent trees in the world. Do we know Are softwoods? The most, you know, I don't know, but that will be, cause I know trivia. like the tiger forest is the largest forest in the world. Uh, and it's up in Siberia, basically like the furthest North you can actually get, but it actually produces more oxygen than the Amazon. Right, just because of how many trees there are, but it's all I, conifers. So I didn't know. Well, if- there's 50 different types of conifers, and we talked about there's a lot more types of oaks. Now that doesn't mean that there's more oak trees than there are pine trees, but I don't know. That's an interesting fact. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Um, but we try to find something that is very famous that was made by the wood of the week, and what is more famous than the spruce goose? That mm. completely fell apart. Now, it was made with uh, birch, but they also incorporated fir wood in its construction because it was light. It bent, steam bended easy. Uh, it had very straight grain. And so that's why they used it to build a sprue goose. Now, of course, it never took off no. ground, but it was it. And then uh, traditional Japanese architecture in Japan, they use fir for a lot other stuff some of that stuff's been standing for three or four hundred years yep so that is this week's wood of the week a christmas tree all right excellent all right all right do we want to get into a little bit of trivia you feeling ready uh, oh yeah feeling up to answering some questions dave with everybody absolutely yeah that's right uh how would you guys like to do it this week would you like to do everybody like gets their answer and writes it down 
or are we just going to do round robin? Let's just do round robin. Round robin. Okay, let's do it. All righty. Does want to play? Doesn't want to play. Theme song's not playing. Are you going to sing? <laughs> oh, it's all right. Sing yeah, it's okay. Just get into it. Trivia, trivia, oh, oh, trivia. Okay. So this week's woodworking trivia is Christmas themed, having to do with wood and such. Uh, some of these are gimmies, I would say, and some of these are quite difficult. So let's see which one you wind up with. We will start with the guest, Dave. Uh, what type of wood is traditionally used for making Christmas Yule logs? Is it A, oak, B, pine, C, birch, or D, maple? Uh, I'd say birch. That is correct. Right off the oh, bat, the Christmas Yule logs. Yes, that's, it's very interesting. And that, Full that is in the United States. In Scotland, it is also birch. But in France, it's cherry. And in England, it is oak. So there oh, you go. And then, then they make that big pastry that looks like a Yule log. So there you go. All right. Uh, which famous – this is for Colton. We'll just go on my screen this way. Right, counterclockwise? Yeah. Well, which me, which famous that. Christmas toy is often made of wood? Is it a toy car, a doll, a nutcracker, or a teddy bear? Nutcracker. All right. You got the gimme. That's right. It is yeah. nutcrackers. Very, very good. You give me the gimme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you wound up with. All right. Woo, question for plan. Ross. I had sound effects for all this. None of it's playing. <laughs> ah. All right. Uh, Not bad. I know, right? That's all right. Well, you can make them with your mouth. All I right. gave myself my own woo. That's all right. Uh, in woodworking, Ross, what is a whittling Santa? Is it a tool for carving wood? Is it a Santa figurine carved out of wood? Is it a technique for joining wood or a type of wood finish? I'm going to go ahead and say it is a small figurine carved out of wood. It is. It is. Also another gimme. A whittling Santa is a Santa figurine carved out of wood. All right, yeah, that, wait, that was a gimme. Yeah, I'd say All so. Right. Whittling, you whittle. Okay. Whittle. Uh, now this one is a, <laughs> a little, little bit. a little more difficult for you, Dave. Are you ready? How Let's long roll. does it typically take to grow a Christmas tree to marketable size? Two to three years, four to five, seven to ten, or twelve to fifteen? Seven to ten. That is correct again. Killing it two oh. for two. Seven right, to ten years. For a Christmas Damn, bro, tree. You said there was some confidence too. It's quite yeah. it's quite interesting. That's a long time, right? Like seven to ten years. He's actually yeah. a massive Taylor Swift fan and he follows her entire catalog and knew she grew up <laughs> on a Christmas tree farm. So that's why Oh, there you go. Wow. Oh, I did right. not know that. <laughs> I have a ten year old daughter. Like, I think we yeah, Taylor I think we got fan. the Taylor Swift fan on all right there. Yeah, Ross, hey, are you a Swifty? No, I have a a 10-year-old daughter who's a Swifty, so. Ah, there we go. That means everybody's a Swifty in the house. (laughs) Okay, Colton, this is something I learned about today, a few hours ago. Which country? For me? Yes, no. Which country (laughs) is known for its tradition of intricate wooden Christmas pyramids? Is it Sweden, Germany, Switzerland, or Canada? Let's go for Switzerland. That is incorrect. It is Germany. So, oh, there you go. You got it. So, uh, so a Christmas pyramid, you've probably seen them. They're quite expensive. So it'll be like this little tower kind of looks like the Leaning Tower of Pizza with like a little helicopter thing on the top. Pizza. And a little (laughs) helicopter thing on the top. And it'll have like little figurines on it. 
some of them go for thousands of dollars and they're handmade mm. out of like little pieces of like fur and balsa and all that. So if you ever look up Christmas pyramid, it's quite, it's quite interesting, but it's a big thing over in, in Germany. So, so, so efficient to the Germans. I, yeah. I had no idea. Right. She so makes a multi-marketing or multi-level marketing Christmas pyramid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So for you, Ross, next question mm-hmm. in the context of Christmas woodworking, Yep. What is intarsia? I n t a r s i a. I n t a r s i a. Intarsia. Is it a type of wood, a wood carving technique, a tool for cutting intricate designs, or a wood staining method? I'm going to go with a wood staining method. That is incorrect. It is actually uh, a, wood, wood a wood carving technique. So intarsia is also used for a type of knitting. But in woodworking, intarsia is where they make little tiny pieces and carve them by hand, and they all fit together like a little puzzle to make like a frog or a picture of something, a lion's face or whatever. It's almost like a uh, – but it's all in 3D. So this one's like a little thicker and stuff like that. So it's very hmm. beautiful. Uh, yeah, ha- happy uh, happy wood life on uh, on social media. If you look him up, he he makes like basketball shoes and jerseys with intarsia. That's intarsia. There you go. Oh, like, I, yeah. I, I saw the basketball shoes. One, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen that guy. Yeah, just yeah. Ta- I was just talking to him today, and it was like he's like, yeah, he's sick with it, like big time. Is incredible. No yeah. There's another there's guy actually- who actually makes like woodworking tools that like pictures of woodworking tools yes that's intarsia yeah that's okay there's actually an intarsia magazine as it turns out i saw that Mm. so it must have a big following there so Mm. all right Uh, this goes to you dave this is one of the harder ones the intricate japanese joinery technique often used in making wooden christmas decorations is known as a sugaiti b Kanawa Sugi, C, Shachisen, or D, Kaigumi? Uh, the second one, the Sugi one. Kanawi, Kanawa Sugi. That is incorrect. It is Sugaiti. Sugaiti is, or however you pronounce it, T-S-U-G-I-T-E. Sugaiti? Anyway, uh, is where it's cha- the type of Japanese joinery that has no glue even. And things fit together. Like sometimes it's interesting that even some of them span, you know, 10 feet, a one joint does. And these these things fit together. Uh, I've seen it hexagonally. I've seen it uh, a lot of different ways. But and it, they don't even use glue. It just hmm. fits together. So uh, if you look it up, it's pretty interesting. But I guess they make uh, hmm. decorations with that same thing. All right. Next question. Colton. Ready? Yep. Which which company known for its wooden toys is famous for creating the iconic Christmas elf on the shelf? Is it Uh, A, Lego, B, Melissa and Doug, C, Ape, or D, Fisher-Price? Fisher-Price. That is incorrect. It is Melissa and Doug. Melissa. I was, and that one was Doug. so off. I was wondering if that was it or if it was a red herring. But no, okay. no, Melissa and Doug. I have so yeah. many sound effects that would be awesome here. None of them are working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Is that why you're shaking Wait. your head? Yeah. Okay. okay. Just fix it in post. Um, all right. Uh, this is for you, Ross. All right. Okay. Oh. 
Awesome. Uh, we got this uh, one more question after this. I think I have 11 by accident. All right. Okay. So in woodworking, what is the term for the decorative technique used to embellish Christmas theme wood turnings with burn lines? Is it scorching, pyrography, branding, or charcuterie? Normally, because our guest is here and he owns Branding Iron Company, I would say <laughs> branding. But I'm going to go with with scorching. No, no. Well, the second one. What's the second one? Pyrography. Pyrography. Yeah, you like hold like a piece of wire to it or whatever. Yeah, pyrography. All right, very good. All right, last questions for you, uh, Dave. Dave. Which wood is traditionally used for making? Now I'm going to butcher this word, so sorry if anybody here is from Norway. Uh, making Norwegian jewel book or Christmas goats. Jewel Buke is spelled, if this will help you, J-U-L-E-B-U-K-K. Yeah, Yulebuck, I think. Is it Yulebuck? Okay, there you go. Yulebuck or Christmas goats. Is it spruce, birch, pine, or maple? Well, uh, it ain't pine or maple. So, And I already said birch once, so I should go with spruce, but I'm going to go back to birch again. Full circle, and you are correct. That is right. It no. is Birch. <laughs> All right. Very good. Excellent yeah. job. Excellent job. Well, thank you so much for playing. You did amazing wow. tonight on this week's Christmas-themed Wood of the Week. So Dave hey, actually and- won that. He went three for four. Colton and I You are a winner, one. winner, chicken dinner, Dave. You've won Dave. everything tonight. Well, and I missed the Japanese one. And, like, it's one of those, like, Japanese woodworking is, is pretty cool because yes. it, it evolved, like, independently of European techniques. And so, yeah. like, there's this uh, – I, I had this old book that had, like, all these different clamping positions that you would do with your body because they didn't have, like, bench clamps. You know, really? they never really – yeah, they never came up with – like, so one of the reasons why Japanese chisels are different and they're so sharp and the reason why saws cut on the pull rather than on a push like European ones is since they never really developed the bench, um, like they developed all sorts of other ways of like clamping wood. Like they had like a Japanese uh, woodworking bench is like, a, it like sits on the floor. It's like really low. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Like, and so, you know, there's all these different positions that you can use to like brace wood and cut it, you know, because they just didn't have heavy duty, uh, you know, heavy, like heavy duty European style benches. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's always been interesting to me that like, um, you know, even not developing that they developed a ton of stuff that like, to me is superior to a lot of European like woodworking techniques, especially like you said, like the glueless stuff is sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, we talked about this one time. So they, they, there's, there's, uh, monasteries that are up in the mountains and there's been countless big earthquakes still sitting there. Never fell down 300 years, at least some of them, 350. And And some of those things are built without nails. They are built without nails. And so what they actually did was x-ray these joints and recreate them and, uh, built like a little thing. You know how like insurance companies have like the floor that moves to test houses and stuff. So they did it. And as it turns out, it was whether I am assuming they designed it this way on purpose. It moves on purpose, you know, kind of like and just kind of goes counter to the the sway of the earth. And then it just goes right back. So it has a little gift. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. That is awesome. Hey, um, before we move on, though, I do have some technical questions. Yeah. Get after it. At least one um, as far as making the brain irons. Um, So I, I do a lot of CNC work, 
you know, like uh, I have a, two CNC routers and uh, like lasers and that sort of nature. Um, and so a lot of times people give me like their company logo, right? And they want it on a table or a charcuterie board or whatever. And like, I always tell them like, like if you have it in like an SVG file, like send it to me, but usually they don't. Yeah. It says JPEG. And then I go in and trace it and touch up the bits myself. Uh, with most everything y'all do custom, how do you have like a, a team or you and your wife uh, like redrawing all these logos and tracing them in? Uh, how does that work? No, I, uh, I wrote some JavaScript like stuff that like, um, you know, so now there's, now there's like scalers that do a pretty good job of upscaling stuff. Uh, like, but um, I wrote some like JavaScript stuff that scales stuff up pretty well or like, and, and like kind of leverages, leverages a couple of like tools that are built into Photoshop to like, to up-res things because yeah like you get some real ass uh like stuff from, <laughs> yeah. from customers they're just like i want this and it's like well it's like icon sized yeah it's you like know? a postage stamp yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it's 200 by 300 and you're like awesome yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> real pixelated yeah. yeah yeah and so what kind of files do you cut with then uh, i, um, I Actually, I prefer so to to initially work with. I prefer raster files. Like you know, it's like people yeah. want to like like there are some people who are like um, who feel like they're kind of like doing us a favor by supplying vector files. But we actually rasterize those and then put them through because the vast majority of people um, use raster files. And so I built like our whole I built our process around that. So if somebody sends us like an SVG or something. That gets rasterized and like sent through the pipeline, you know. Um, but uh, you know, because there's like I figured out like the thresholds for what like the resolution needs to be to really cut reliably. Because we do like once we get into the CAD, we do vectorize it, right? But um, you know, it's if you have a sufficiently if you have a sufficiently uh, scaled and smooth raster file, it you know it drops in reliably and predictably. You know, I think I'm a pretty and, smooth Rastafile. I do enjoy some right. reggae. This is true. Rastafarian, yeah. <laughs> Yaman. Yaman. Right near oh, yeah. the beach, boy. Near the beach. Lord yeah. of mercy. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like sometimes, and I, you've probably seen this, it's like somebody will give you like what they think is a clean CAD file and it'll just be like, it'll have like duplicate overlapping lines or like, you know, you'll, you'll be like, yeah. you'll, you'll throw something on the router and you'll be like, I don't have to, I don't have to mess with this. And it's like in CAD, you didn't notice that it's like the tools like starting and stopping halfway through a path and like pulling out and ruining stuff. Like, so it's, I, you know, we take everything down to the dumbest level and then build it back through our system rather than like, you know, it, nothing is like in, and I appreciate the gesture, of course, when people do this, but really, like, I nobody you you don't save us any work if you try to do some of our work on you know before you hand it to us. You know, it's actually oh, it's we not, so that it, it makes the process repeated every single time. Like uh, you're starting from the same point every time when you bring it back down to zero. I get that. Yeah, yeah. and if you, yeah, it's like if you you know, it's like all you guys know. It's like if you. Um, Whenever you have to do unique stuff, like that's not where you make your money. You make your money yeah. when you're doing the stuff that's streamlined, that you can do in your sleep, that like, you know, seems seems difficult to other people. But if you've managed to like make kind of a, you know, 
if you manage to make an algorithm that you can plug yourself into to like to make certain things happen in your shop that are are unique to your particular style or whatever, like that's where your money is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross wears a hat. It's a the hockey team, the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like an Indian with a headdress, and it's every time you wear it, it's a reminder of the one of the hardest, like most money losing projects ever done. And because uh, I do a bunch of resin inlays, like in into wood, right? And we had someone come to us with the Blackhawk thing, and there's so many different colors, and like the feathers, like each feather has like its own like spines, two or three and, tones, and yeah. Yeah, like it, it was one of those projects. I was halfway through editing it, and I was like, I should have charged more for this. Yep, <laughs> and yep, yep, yep. Dude, I love doing. Like, I've done this a couple of times. It's like I'll be like, man, I've got a great idea for a yeah. totally custom project. Like, I built a, a branding system for a commercial bakery, right? And this thing was like computer controlled and all this sort of stuff, and I died on the pricing because i you know it's like when you go to when you when you when you tell somebody you can build them something but it's really a prototype like Mm -hmm. you're figuring it out the first time like you're unless you've just miraculously hit a ridiculous number it's almost guaranteed that you've like um, lost you, money you, you've screwed it up like the guy mm-hmm. i apprenticed under was a chair maker and he's passed now but he's his name was michael gilmartin and he's got like he did like stack laminated plywood stuff that he sculpted pretty pretty talented guy and and well collected in like the art world but like he used to tell me he's like um take the amount of time that you that you calculated it's going to take and double it and then yes. take your price take your price and triple it yes. and i was like oh really you know yeah. You yeah, know? I'm still bad about that a lot of times. Yeah, my dad, I, I, I just get I get so excited, you know. Right, that's that's how our our business evolves. Right, is from people coming us coming to us with new ideas. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, and then like you do it, and then it catches on, and like you post it, you know, and people you get your project out that you did on the, at this prototype and then people like it and they want to buy more of them. Right. And I like to yeah. tell myself the lie that it's, that it's motivating if I have a deadline and all this sort of stuff. But for me, yeah. and there are some people I know who did really well with that sort of thing, but for me, it becomes intensely frustrating and it makes the, like guaranteed the product. If I am, if I feel pressured and I've promised something that is going to take more time, uh, it weighs on my mind and there's a very good chance that the final product is going to suffer from quality, you know, quality problems, or it's not going to be what I wanted, or I'm going to end up, you know, I'm going to end up, if not, not, if not cutting corners, what I'll, you know, it's like, I don't like to cut corners, but what I will do is I'll downscale my idea that I had and I'll end up not doing the cool thing that I wanted, you know? And like, so there's a, there's a genuine, risk there and something that I've had to be pretty rigorously honest about the person that I am is that I do get extremely excited about new ideas and, um, and I'm pretty good at conveying that and getting other people hyped up about them. And then the actual process of it, if it starts taking longer, I'm, I start thinking like, man, this, this guy must think I'm a 
debacle of you know, and like you know, it's like it's like mm-hmm. I'm 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 screwing up. I you know, it's like it. I get in my head, then I get angry, I get confused, I get you know, I get off track, and it's like really the best thing for me is to either innovate slowly or innovate on my own. So it's like if I have a cool idea, let me see if I can do it. Yes, it's going to cost me money to prototype something or work out a technique without a buyer. But you know what costs a lot of money? Failing on a project and having somebody get mad at you. You yep. know, screwing yep. up a screwing up a client like uh, relationship because you're like, "Hey, I can get this. This will take me 60 days to do." And then four months later, you know, you got somebody asking for their deposit back. And I've been there. And uh, so it's like, eh, okay, look, you know, this is going to cost me $500 out of pocket to try this thing out. But if it works, I can work out the kinks and then I can sell it. Yeah. And it's not as like you know, it's like, you know, it's like maybe I'll never get around to finishing it, but like it's, you know, or maybe it'll take longer than I think, or maybe it'll be a failure and I'll be out 500 bucks, but it's so much better than like getting hyped on a, uh, on a project that ultimately ends up being a wash. Uh, I've, yeah. t- I've told the guys this before my dad, we had, he had a stucco business and he always used to say, you never lose money on a job you don't take. And sometimes you have to kind of be real with yourself, you know, and just, and just, this is gonna, you know, this is the price. This is, that's it. And because I like what you said, you're a prototyping it for the first time. And it's like that with us too. Like we're doing it the first time and there could be problems. So yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm right at that point in my career, like over this last year where I'm realizing that I need to say no, just sometimes. Right, I, I Nancy Reagan no. told us to say no from years. This back. is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but Wayne, Wayne Gretzky told us to take every shot. Well, he yeah, said you miss every shot you don't take. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, and but you know, he also wasn't shooting from center ice every time. That's like, true. You know, it's like there's like oh, you know, that's we, a good analogy. We've been, we've been, you know, we've yeah. kind of been, uh, we've been inundated with this, you know, we've been inundated with this idea that we must, that we, if you say yes, you know, it's like, say yes, you know, it's like bite off, you know, take the leap and then, you know, you can see where you're at. Hey, that works sometimes. Bite it off and then see if you can chew it. Okay. That works sometimes, but it doesn't work all the time. And it's a really piss poor way to manage your time and talent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's so like, you know, Really, you should be honest about, you know, it's like you should be honest about the type of person you are and the project that you're doing. And it's like it's it's OK to say no. You don't want to slip into being lazy because I've done that, too. You know, right. and boy, la- laziness is is like if you get into a lazy frame of mind, you get real comfortable there, dude. But like, yeah, it's tough to um, get out of that one. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like and but like, you know, the like also you got all this, you know, it's like like you know, Sigma grind set BS on, on, you know, on social media that's telling you like, Hey, you know what, if you're not working, you know, if you're not exhausted at the end of the day, you're wasting your life. You need to be, you need to be an awesome father and to make millions of dollars and do such and such. And it's like, at some yeah, point, get up and grind brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, you're yeah. the one being, you're the one in the grinder. You know, yeah. like, right, yeah. like and, and you have to, you have to look at it and you say, actually, yeah. one, one day you're going to die prior to that. You will presumably, if you live long enough, you will be substantially less abled or at least slower for a while. You have a limited amount of time. You cannot do everything. And, you know, it's like, if you want, you know, it's like, if you want six pack abs, like you have to work out like crazy. 
you cannot, despite what they tell you on social media, you cannot do that and be a good dad and run a crazy business and all this other stuff. There's a very good chance that you have to compromise. And it's taken, I still have to learn that lesson every day because I would, you know, it's like, dude, I got, I'm 40, tomorrow I'll be 44 years old. Well, happy right? early birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. And, and I got like, I've got a three month old daughter, you know, it's like, I have to learn, like, it's like, I can't, you know, it's like, I can't live like I used to, I need to come home and spend time with my kids. And it's like, I, my father was a, my father grew up poor and then became, a, you know, it's like, like worked his way through college and, 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 you know, and went to med school, like joined the army during Vietnam, went to med school, this kind of stuff. And, and, and he, um, was a good man, but one of the things that he had was this kind of, this insane work ethic. Right. And that's cool. Except for the fact that if your dad's always at work, then the only time you see him is when he's in a bad mood or he's tired. Right. And he had this kind of poor man's idea that the best way to, that a man is just supposed to grind and provide. And so he did. I never, I saw him like maybe every couple of weeks. Right. And, uh, and he, died of a heart attack at 62 because he worked himself to death. And, uh, oh, and it's like, you know, so like you, like you have to balance stuff, dude. I mean, it's like, we're all, I assume you guys all have at least struggled a bit and perhaps are still struggling with obsession over craft. Right. But you have to compromise, you know, yeah. you have to have like the idea of a fully balanced life is BS. And frankly, you shouldn't yeah. strive for, you shouldn't strive for balance either. You should be slightly obsessed about some things, Yeah. but like, but like if you're not, I mean, Ross, you got a, you got a daughter, dude. Like, yeah. you know, so, kids. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like a 10, 10 year old daughter is like a huge factor, bro. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, if you're not there, the mm -hmm. world is going to be there. And it's like, you know, maybe that means that you won't sell a project. Maybe that means that there's a technique that you will maybe not learn for the next decade if you ever get a chance to learn it at all. And it's like you have to say, well, OK, that's worth it. I'm willing to pay that price because the mm. price that I pay otherwise by neglecting these things is substantial. Correct. Yeah. This is what me and you talked about, Colin, the other day. Yeah. That's exactly did. what we talked about. It's my nugget. You're stealing. All right. Well, I think that's actually a great segue into the reason a lot of us drink. And um, <laughs> yes. I would love to be able to get into the whiskey of the week right now. Uh, oh, Dave, oh, do you partake yeah. in any of the brown goods? Uh, yeah, I don't have any. I have a, I have a sparkling water here, but I intend to have at least some whiskey later tonight. Uh, I'm going out for an early, uh, early drink with my buddy. So, yeah. Excellent. All right, let's get into this then. Showtime! The Whiskey of the Week. All right, the Whiskey of the Week was actually a carryover from two episodes ago because mm -hmm. it took a little bit of time for Colton to procure this one, but I made yes. sure that he got it for today's episode. So, Colton. All thanks to you, brother. I know you were able to procure the, the few <laughs> rye whiskey. My question yes. is, did it dandy? Dude, it, it dang in its own way, man. It's uh, like just from, I mean, even like the, the smell of it and everything, it, it, it's kind of light and smooth from start to finish, but not to say that it's not there, if that yeah. makes sense, right? And as I said uh, before, that, that one to me is the only one that tastes like you're sitting in a Jewish deli just sit, chomping on rye bread. 
That's right. Yeah. Well, I I, I thought of it like a walk Mazel in the park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I thought of like a walk in the park. Like I don't know to really personify Please this do. whiskey. Please do. It's like it's like you somehow like unfroze like a Neanderthal uh, from you know from uh, Alaska or whatever. from the Ice Age. And, from yeah, the ice age, yeah, yeah. Ice age. Yes, that's the word to go for. And yeah, and the first thing you give them is like some banana pudding, right? Pudding. Like the the way pudding. Not banana pudding. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> banana pudding. And pudding. his his reaction to that that banana pudding would be the same way I would react to this whiskey. It, it was just like surprisingly it crushed smooth. your head. <laughs> Turn to a Ceno man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, not not quite that way, but <laughs> it was surprisingly like just like smooth and easy from start to finish, and I didn't hate it. And yeah, and so as far as the cocktail, I tried two cocktails with it, and so the first one I tried to stay with our Campari theme, and I went with an old pal, okay. which is basically the same as a. Uh, Oh, a Boulevardier, except it used dry vermouth instead of sweet vermouth. And okay. I was like, oh, this is decent. It's a, another bitter cocktail. Yep. Right? And uh, with it being so smooth, they didn't punch through. And then, however, you sent me three bottles of whiskey. I did. With um, with with, with the, the few rye whiskey. And one of them was a blood orange the whiskey smith blood orange and the reason yes. i sent you that one is because that one on the rocks with like two or three dashes of bitters is a perfect pre-done old-fashioned oh hmm. i didn't even think about it. so uh, i did use that in an old-fashioned though okay <laughs> I, I uh yeah i did what like two parts of this uh few rye and okay. then one part of the the blood orange and i didn't do any of the simple syrup that you would normally do. Mm-hmm. So I've replaced the simple syrup with that. And then um, I still had all the bitters and uh, it turned out really good. I like mm-hmm. that, that cocktail a lot better. Excellent. I also made one with the, um, with the old elk rye that you sent as well. And I, I do like the old elk better than the, the few, which I don't know, as far as, you know, as I'm learning more about my palate and everything, I, I think I eat too much spicy food. To like really like I don't know that, that's I think that's why I enjoy whiskey with a bunch of punch and like that's kind of boozy you know and so yeah it, it turned out really well and, so strangely enough this one right here I also garnished instead of with like a orange or cherry I did or no orange or lemon you did the Luxardo did, cherry uh, there yeah I did, did the uh, oh I forgot the brand of them but Luxardos yeah, are, real, real are good crazy expensive right now literally like each of those. Based on the cost of them, is like a dollar thirty per per cherry. What, oh dude? God. I used to yeah. I used to buy like can, huge cans of Luxardo cherries because like you know if you'd like pour the juice off and then fill yeah. the jar up with whiskey, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. then they just kind of soak in it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa! That, that that's news. I I never thought about soaking these cherries in whiskey beforehand. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you actually genius. if you do maraschino cherries with wild turkey one hundred and one. They're called turkey balls, and if you let them sit for at least 48 hours, uh, each cherry soaks up enough alcohol to basically be a shot, 
Huh? Yeah, I've definitely gotten smart. bombed mm-hmm. off of eating oh, yeah. uh, whiskey cherries. It's also the brand before. of these cherries is Egberts. Egberts. That doesn't sound very appetizing at <laughs> yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. No, so, they're they're good. They're uh, super dark. It's like cheating, honestly. Whenever you're making an old fashioned, like if you're trying to make it taste good for somebody, yeah. Like you just put a little bit of the juice of this Egberts. Uh, it's like a real squatty can, little cylindrical squatty uh, jar, and uh, yeah, that the ju- it's they're made for old fashions, yeah. and yeah, they, this is my second time I've bought a jar of these. They're they're pretty good. So Colton, the the whiskey for next week is actually going to be the Old Elk Rye, and the reason I sent it to you yes. is because you work for Old them? Elk Rye. Well, no, well, not only that. <laughs> It is definitely part of it, but Old Elk <laughs> Rye is is one of those things that most people don't know that the company I work for, Old Elk, makes. But I would say, to me, it is the truest form of what a rye could and should be. Our master distiller, when he was at MGP, created what is now roughly 85 to 90% of all the rye that's on the market. So unless it was coming from either Wild Turkey or Jim Beam, Chances are most ryes were actually made at MGP by our master distiller, who now works for us. Most ryes, uh, rye is a typically very divisive whiskey. People either love it or hate it, and there's not yeah. a lot of in-between. And rye tends to be either very spicy or very musty. And the Old Elk rye is neither of those. It is unbelievably clean and unbelievably complex without being overwhelming. And to me, it's what a rye could and should be. And that's why I want you to try that one for next week. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I don't want to ruin the review for next week, but it did have almost like like a caramel finish to it, mm-hmm. like at the very end. Mm-hmm. And I see why you work for him, Ross. It makes me thirsty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's real good. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we saw some old elk uh, when I was in Florida this last week. Uh, we yeah. saw some old elk on the shelf. Nice. Um, it was some right. special batch. Yeah, I think. it's expensive. Yeah, we. I. I mean, come on. Of course. Yeah. 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 It's good yeah. All, All right. right. Yeah, D- Dave. Do you have a go-to, like a, a daily drinker, if you will? Uh, no. I just basically kind of drink when I uh, when I go out, and I experiment with like whatever looks uh, like. If there's a you know anything that's been locally or that's ostensibly local, then uh, then I I try that out. You know. And, yeah. Uh, so out in you Vegas, out. you're just drinking smoke wagon all day. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> just just like drinking fentanyl patches or something out here. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> meth water. Um, <laughs> meth water. <laughs> Could probably. Yeah. No. We there's you know we have a local culture. It's not yeah. very highbrow. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Dave, uh, what part of the country are you in, by the way? Uh, Vegas. It's in Vegas. You're in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. buddy. Oh, right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. If, uh, I, I lived in Atlanta for you know a couple of decades, and then uh, and then bopped out here because I just like tired of humidity. I'd like like when it's winter time, I want to be able to see the sun. Like you like the weather. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, yeah, because it's like, you know, I mean, I miss rain a little bit, but it's people like you're going to miss seasons and be like, eh, nah, not so much. Like if I want, yeah. if I want seasons, it's like I just I'll go drive and see seasons. But like if it's like it, like I, uh, um, I was was up in New York for a long time, and uh, like uh, like back and forth between there, I was kind of like had a, a relationship up in uh, New York City, and it was like. 
I was like wintertime, like it's, it's great for like four months in a row, you know? Yep. And uh, like when I was like, when I was like an adolescent, I was like, yeah, I like it when it's gloomy, you know, I, the trees are dead. And now I'm like, I like sunshine because I get sad, you know? <laughs> and like, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, so like, like I, yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, I'll probably get like melanoma, you know, here, you know, cool. Like I have definitely like, it's my wife's like, you need to moisturize. I'm like, why? And then I look at my face. I'm like, oh, wow. I look craggy <laughs> as hell. I look like, leathery. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, Argh. but uh, like, yeah, just, you know, like, I'm not like, I'm not a gambler. Like, I don't really, you know, it's like, I'll go down to the strip and go see fights or whatever. But, you yeah. know, um, yeah. yeah, like, I'm, okay. I, the casinos, I don't care. But like the sunshine, I'm like, dude, put me on. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Dave, we typically wrap up the show by everybody sharing a nugget. And just to uh, refresh your memory. Um, a nugget for us is typically either if you could talk to yourself when you were starting out in your industry and impart some of the knowledge you have now, what would you say? Or to any of the young makers out there, just a word of advice, uh, can be frivolous. It can be something deep, uh, whatever you would like it to be. And if you want to think on it for a few minutes, we can share some of ours and, um, yeah, I got, I got mine. All right. for it. Kick it off. People don't value what they don't pay for. Okay, uh, say that again. People don't value what they don't pay for. That's 100% true. If it's yeah. cheap, they don't value it. That's heavy hidden. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, you know, it's you throwaway know. furniture, uh, throwaway this. Yeah. That's, that's you, you never, you, I, I learned that. I learned that because I, um, and I won't go too long on this. I, with, with uh, one of my cabinet shops, I, I, I was like, hey, I want to get my foot in the door with these contractors, right? And I would do these little, I would do little jobs for them, some built-ins here, like a fireplace mantle. And then, you know, and I was like, man, how come like I would be on these jobs and I'm doing really good work. And I was like, I've been working, I've been doing work for this guy for, you know, for a couple of years. And how come he always gets somebody else to do his kitchens? And then I realized that the reason why he would do that is because I priced my stuff so low that when he looked at my work, he did not see quality work. And if you, if you sell, like if you sell a $60,000 kitchen for $30,000, you know what your clients are going to see? They're going to see $30,000 kitchen. They're not going to see $60,000 that they got a deal on. They're going to see $30,000. People Mm. don't value what they don't pay for. If they're not willing to pay for it, then, you know, it's like, then you should, you should, you should, like I, I would, I would go back and be like, "Hey, man, just remember, like you never, like you don't get your foot in the door." I was the reason why this guy was still using me is because if he didn't put enough money in the budget for a little side project, or if he had an add-on, he knew he could call me and I'd do a good quality job for a for a for a at a Rock ridiculously price. low price because and it wouldn't add anything to his bottom line. And I thought I was the man, and in reality, I was a chump. And I would, yeah. That's, 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 that's good advice. Nugget. I didn't go. That is great advice. Good nugget. Yeah, man. Uh, apparent value. Yeah. It goes a long ways. Hmm. Yep. All right. Very good. Gentlemen, who wants to go next? I'll go next. All right. So, uh, this goes along very, very much with what Dave said. Cause we were driving down the street and me and Colton were talking and, uh, he goes, dude, that's, that's like, 
like he did like a little om and he's like that's very feng shui and then he's like that should be your nugget so here's the nugget the nugget is um this came to me when my wife's uh mother passed away last year december 20th of last year and that was my wife's like best friend. They talked every day, every minute of like 10 times a day, like anything. And she really misses her still very, very much. And I noticed at the funeral, uh, there was a lot of people, a lot of people that she had met over the years. And not one person said, you know, Helen was such, cause she worked at this one uh, restaurant. She was such a good accountant. She really was such a good accountant and she did all this other stuff. Nobody even said, hey, she was like this awesome um, cleaner. She could clean a house really, really good or anything. What people did say, and, and I've seen this in other, you know, unfortunately other funerals and stuff. They're like, you remember that time me and Helen and we went to this thing? Oh, we laughed about that. And remember he fell and then, and da, 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 or God, she made the best meatballs and da, 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 da. It was about her. What I gathered was it wasn't about what she accomplished in her life. It was about the relationships that she made with everyone mm-hmm. and how good of a mother she was and how good of a wife she was and how good of. Uh, you know, how she was so good to her friends and she always sent them Christmas cards or, you know, thank you cards and she stayed in touch with her old friends and so on and so forth. It was about the relationship and friendships and how good of a person that she was to other people, not about what she accomplished, but what she did for other people that really uh, was the defining thing that everyone talked about. So I think that's all something we need to really keep in mind when you're gone what are people going to talk about? Are they going to, you know, they may say, yeah, he was a good woodworker. Or he was a good this or what. Or are they going to talk about, man, he was always there for me when this happened and so on and so forth. Uh, he was such a good dad. He was such a good husband. Is that what they're going to say? Or, or, or are they not going to have anything to say? So anyway, hmm. that's, that's my yeah. nugget. Keep that balance. Yeah, man. I think Dave it. already told us that uh, you can't have balance. No. <laughs> yeah. I paid attention. Don't you want to win? It's grind. <laughs> you gotta wake grind. up and grind. Wake up and grind. You don't have time for love. <laughs> Weakness leaving the body. Yeah, friends. <laughs> I know exactly, dude. I used to consume that content so much. Uh, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, Ross, uh, you want me to take it next, or you got it? Uh, whatever. I'm I'll good either it. way. Um, Go ahead. Okay, so mine is a lot more of a technical nugget, not near as heart touching as anything. But um, so we talked about for uh, you know, I do a lot of resin inlays, right? Mm-hmm. And calculating the volume of how much resin to mix up to pour into this inlay is a problem, right? Or right. it's a it's always it's always a challenge. And I found I made some like like t- like uh, physical ways to measure. Like I I'm, I cut a stick that was exactly when in poured at like 0.43 inches, uh, like two ounces per the stick right now, I'd measure it out physically, but that's time consuming. Um, I finally found a program that would do that. Like it would take an SVG file and measure the area of it. And from there what? I can calculate the, the volume of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's free. Um, what? you may have heard of it. It's called Inkscape. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. 
And uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting to find a free program to do it. But yeah, so I, now I use Inkscape and it could be a really complicated logo. And yeah, Inkscape will calculate the uh, the exact uh, Whichever font, part uh, you select. Area of it. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, it'll, it'll calculate, like it could be like writing, right? Which that's so hard to calculate. You can't calculate it. You have to guess. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's worked out very well. So yeah, Inkscape, a freaking free program um, has worked very well. You need to do like a demonstration on your TikTok of that. People eat that up. That's awesome. I should. I should. You should. You should show me in case I start doing epoxy. Yeah. I always make too much or too little. I never make the right amount ever. It's always better to do too much. You know, but that does get expensive because epoxy is right. not free. Yeah, and it's but expensive. It, it is better to do too much because, yeah, matching that color back and whatever, mixing more. When I did epoxy, when I moved here, Colton, it was half of what it is now for epoxy. It wasn't cool. as good, some of it, but the deep pour stuff, I mean, it was half that. It yeah. was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, echopoxy was not even that expensive back then, and now it's really expensive. So. Dave, you ever messed around with some epoxy? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, I've, in an artistic capacity, especially, but like that yeah. fi- fiberglass resin, bro. Like, yeah, I have a love hate relationship with it. You know, you yeah. it I'm like, like, why, why did it solidify in the mixing, in the mixing pail? <laughs> like, it's like s- still like gummy. I'd like, I'm like, oh, I'll just leave it overnight and be like, all right. So it's hard as a rock. The, the the stuff that's left in the in the bucket and like this is still yeah, there's not fingernail this stuff right like I'm like okay uh, somewhere I like you know like yeah I desecrated a burial ground or something because like yeah, I'm <laughs> epoxy I'm like mad cursed it is that. very scientific now they got heating tables and like one guy we were talking to has a room that keeps it a certain temperature like it's crazy yeah. it's crazy yeah, yeah. I leave yeah, that to the to the wizards, dude. I'm yeah, like, I'm yeah. like, wow, that's so cool. I'm never doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, epoxy. It's it's like a whiny customer, like a whiny Karen esque kind of customer. But like, those are the best. I want to yes. do more with those. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm I'm feeling a little humidity today. I'm gonna no no. I'm not gonna act right. right. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. It does fight you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so strangely enough, my nugget does tie into kind of everything that you guys have said, uh, individually in that you always find a way to get done what needs doing. And you, it's based on what your needs are in life in that I want to surprise my daughter's not going to listen to this. I want to surprise her and take her to. Uh, the Olivia Rodrigo concert that's coming up, but I want to get the tickets for Christmas and the tickets are, they start at like $500 a piece. Mm-hmm. And of course it's not just going to be me going with her. I want to be able to take a friend with her as well. Right. Not my friend, her friend. Um, but that's $1,500. And I'm like, that's on top of anything else. I wanted to get the family for Christmas. Right. And so yeah. I buckled down and I have, boatloads of projects I need to get done in the next couple of days. Sold a kidney. And exactly. And three <laughs> testicles. Yeah. Nice and blood. Yeah. Um, I still got two left. So you're all right. Yeah. No, don't worry. So, uh, <laughs> but the, I'm not going to see my family a ton between now and Christmas, but I'm going to get all this stuff done so that Christmas is great. And to Dave's point, uh, and to Jess's point, what are they going to remember? They're not going to remember me being gone for two to three weeks, just working my ass off but they are going to remember those moments down the road that I 
sacrifice to try and be there for. So it's prioritizing yeah. and knowing what to put your your time and money into. But where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, I don't want to jeopardize the rest of Christmas just to get this one gift. So got to buckle down and get a few more things out there. Cool. So. Get her done. I mean, you, her could done. Also, you could also yeah. sigh, you could sigh up your family and be like, hey, I, I, I'm going to buy these Olivia Rodrigo tickets, but that means I can't get anybody else anything. <laughs> and then, you know, they can, they can inflict that guilt on your daughter yes. and it just kind of yes. plays out. Like everybody yeah. will be miserable, but you'll yeah. still have your 1500 bucks. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Most <laughs> yeah. of my family is Catholic. So the whole Catholic guilt thing tries in and it just, it's a big <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Dave, before we sign off everything, if people wanted to learn more about you and Gearheart Industries and potentially purchase uh, one or many branding irons, where should they do it? Uh, well, we're on uh, we're on uh, the web at gearheartindustry.com. Uh, the we're on Instagram uh, at Gearheart Industry, um, and uh, yeah, the I mean those those are the two main places. Oh, and uh, lest I forget, so we got a discount code set up. I don't know when this comes out, but we'll hold it active for a while. It's gonna we'll probably expire it at the end of the year. Um, but uh, G H B A T B fifteen. So Ooh. it's a uh, golf, Ooh. yeah, golf hotel, Bravo, alpha tango, Bravo one five is the, uh, 15 is a 15% off, uh, discount code that should be active. And, uh, if for some reason, um, you transcribe that wrong or I said it wrong, um, uh, then, uh, you can email us and be like, Hey, I heard you on this, uh, this podcast and this discount code doesn't work. You <laughs> loser. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Here's the actual code. <laughs> well, that is well. That you is won't fantastic. do that. You're, you're, somebody else will do that. Yeah, Megan right? yeah. or something. Yeah, Megan. Megan will. Megan will call me. And be like, somebody's insulting us on the internet. I'll be like, oh, I don't want to know. Uh, so yeah. So uh, so yeah. Do that and uh, talk to us. And we like to engage with people. So you know, like that's that's uh, that's that. Awesome. Hell well, yeah. That is a BATB discount code. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. G-A-T-B-15 for everyone if you're writing it down. Yep. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and we hope you enjoyed being on here as much as we enjoyed having you. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't think I said anything we needed to bleep, really, and, like, minus, you know, know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, it's been a pleasure, brother. Absolutely. Cool, guys. Anytime. Yeah, good talking to you guys, and I'll see you out there. Yeah. So thank you to everybody. Uh, First of all, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed every second of this episode. If you didn't, please send all your complaints to our stumble prone legal representation at Tumble, Bumble and Fumble and Associates, where their motto is we're head over heels to fumble your case. For Jess, (laughs) Colton and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast. We will catch you all next time. Woo! Yeah. Woo!